Previously on Quest Friends. Ending machines are infamous for spoiling just everything. Who led the campaign to exile the tyrant King Vincent and reclaim the throne of Anquan? I know this one, I know this one. <clears throat> Princess Professor Ramya Naomi Gabriella Brackleberry. So I was thinking and I was wondering how much of this invitation was social and how much of it was for getting our job done. So, social? Well, if that's what you're interested in, then you should probably actually go be social. And she walks away into the crowd with the other glass of wine. Wow. What the fuck <gasps> is this? Wow. <laughs> and when you confronted the instrument, you realized that Megan had turned herself invisible. And eventually she just asked, she's like, hey, I need this. Can I borrow it? And you were real into teacher mode and you were like, yeah, that's what any good teacher would do. Listen to my audio before we started, and I I can tell that my voice sounds completely different this morning. It's <coughs> it's gonna be a fun episode, is what I'm saying. Did you drink water? I did. Good. All right, so Ellie, it is your afternoon segment to do what you want, and if our conversations outside of the game are any indication, this scene is going to open up with Ellie indignantly yelling at the ending machine which is the vending machine that spoils things in the mailroom. Is that correct? Yes. So what what exactly is Ellie doing? Well, so she had already gotten stuff from the ending machine, but we skipped it. Yeah. So is she back at the ending machine? She's back. We're going to say. And we like just come up for a reason why it didn't the gambit didn't work the first time. Can I still see Ray after this? Yeah, yes. Okay. I'm this, just making sure. This is meant to be a 2-minute scene. <laughs> We don't need to have this interrogation beforehand. It's okay. It's O'Ray. It's too early. I need you not to spoil random books. I don't <laughs> care about random books. I don't care about young adult novels. I want you to spoil but secretly at the end of don't cry witch you find out that mandy all along was you suck spoil my story about the jagged dream spoil who ezra is don't say ezra <laughs> it's damn fine investigative work kyle I've I've got it. I figured it out. We're gonna go fourth wall for a second. I just gotta do some math. Okay, so let's see. So that's this could be decidedly unhelpful. That's I'll uh, probably regret asking. So um, that's uh, let's see. All right, and the vending machine responds. Well, in episode forty-eight of the adventures of the quest friends it is revealed that ezra was all along the friends we made along the way no that is that that is not helpful i want you just to spoil the 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 name that ezra is going as on the prodigious right now and again don't say ezra <laughs> I don't like that smile. You look too satisfied with yourself. 
So going back to Don't Cry Witch, it's really a very big revelation that you see. And as this thing goes back to talking about this very popular book, Ellie, you hear a little ka-chink, and you see that something has slid into your uh, little mail tube since you are in the mail room. I will cautiously take it out of the tube and look at it or open it. I don't know if it's in an envelope. All right, so you get a, uh, yeah, you get a note and it's stamped with five hearts on it, which is my way of indicating that this is because you got five hearts with somebody. And it just says, Professor, thank you so much for keeping my secret, especially for Zoe's sake. I think if anyone found out about it, she'd die. <laughs> and uh, inside you get a gift from Megan. And, and what is that gift that you, you got from Megan? Um, hmm. Well, uh, I don't have the list in front of me. Well, god damn it, Emily. Dude, I didn't know I was supposed to. I, 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 for, I forgot. Let me, we are never doing a morning session again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not once ever again. I'm sorry. Okay, let's. I'm a monster. Let me, let me look up the gifts. So you have name tags. Slash stickers. Cool kids come from t-shirt. The diabolical puzzling box for kids. A stuffed quail. A jar of olives. A bowl dance. A stuffed hot brick. Different gift stickers. A random list. A random list. And then the keg stand. Um, I would like the stuffed quail. What kind of quail are we talking about here? A killer quail. Is killer spelled with a Q? <laughs> it has like a little fabric fake knife in its little flipper. You also see another note and it says, I found something in the gymatorium. Come as quickly as possible. Ray. And note that even though you have to come as quickly as possible, the words as quickly as possible are written out and not spelled ASAP. Well, of course not. It's Ray. She doesn't use text speak. The lols. The raffles. She would never. Ellie, how would you know? Wow. Wow. I'm just happy to be here this early in the morning watching this unfold. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go to the gymatorium. All right, so you Wait, go to- Wait, actually, can I set the stuffed quail outside Zoe's room? Yes. Yes, you can. Because I don't want to carry it around. Is it a gift for Zoe? Yeah. You get a heart point with Zoe. I have six. <laughs> I thought I you only six. had- I thought you only had four. You said I have five hearts with Zoe because she's my baby. <laughs> that, is, that is reasonable that she would start out with five hearts with Zoe. All right, give me a quick second to note that you've got uh, Ellie has six hearts with Zoe, which means not only will Zoe be just generally helpful, she'll be willing to take a bullet for you. No, <laughs> no. Anyways... <laughs> So you make your way to the gymatorium. It's currently being set up for prom de plume and the salt and pepper rally. So there are banners everywhere. They've they've done the thing where you have like the walls of the gymatorium and they've pulled it out. So now it's made bleachers and they're putting up like cheap metal folding chairs all over the floor. Ellie is like smoothing out her shawls, but they don't smooth. So it's kind of just the action, but they're dirty and wrinkled and old. So it's not really doing anything. <laughs> 
one person sees you do that, and that's Vera, who as you enter just stares at you and squints her eyes and just crushes, not crushes, but indents one of the folding chairs she was setting down as a threat, and then goes back and starts directing uh, the other people who are setting up. Which really? I'll say we have Sir Kentrum is here, and he's just got multiple chairs on both arms, and he's just being like, wow, yeah, I'm really helping being one of the people, man. That's what a true proligarch does. And then let's let's throw Jebediah here as well. He's not he's not doing as well. He just is knocking things over as quickly as he's setting them down. Like Octodad. Is he just Octodadding around? <laughs> Octo Captain. <laughs> Nobody suspects a thing. You turn over and you see, you know, those, I forget what those are, but they're like the platforms that you can like extend up and down. Yeah, they're like giant step stools. Scaffolding? Yeah. Ray is standing on the top of one of them. She has her chin in the palm of her hand and is fidgeting with her coat button as she stares at the floor where everything is being built. And next to her, you can see with her chair kind of just like connected to it, almost like a sidecar and a motorcycle. Sarah is connected to that and she is taking her screwdriver and she's just stabbing it into this little handheld device connected to the side of the wall. Hey! The stabbing goes gets harder. You two look nice today. Good to see you. Um, Ray reflexively smiles when she sees you and waves. And then she turns over to Sarah and she quietly mumbles something to Sarah, who stabs in the device one more time with extra strength. And then without looking at you, descends from the platform and then leaves the room. Although an acute observer will see her eyes flit for a quick second as she passes you. Sadly and quietly and still very awkwardly, Ellie waves. Bye! No. Again, just happy to be here. (laughs) All right. I mean, I keep walking over to Ray. Okay, so Ray uh, takes the platform and puts it down so that you're able to get on. Do you get on? Yes, and I immediately start talking to her. (laughs) As soon as you get on? Yeah. All right, so she looks like she's going to say something, but then she just stops. Ray, should I, should I bother? Am I making it worse? I think I might be making it worse. Should I stop saying hi? She's still frozen as if she was going to say something. And then when you finish your sentence, she just goes, thank you for coming on such short notice. I have something I really want to show you. And she turns around and she starts to raise up the platform, deliberately not looking at you while she does it. Uh, By the way, I'd like to uh, apologize for my comments last evening during the Nano uh, Fight Club. Not that you didn't deserve them. I just... Uh, I was trying to make a joke, and it seems like, potentially, my humor has been something that has not evolved in the past decade. Has she turned around yet? Uh, no, because she doesn't want you to see her face, especially because she actually feels kind of bad about it. But she's also still mad at you. And it's one of those things, you know, like that feeling when you're like, wow, I made a mistake. I fucked up. But I'm also mad at them. So I don't want them to feel like suddenly they're absolved of all their guilt just because I made a mistake. 
Well, I appreciate the apology. You're right that I deserved it. And if it landed badly, I also deserved that. (laughs) I think you're actually, you're really funny. I'm just a little bit, um, I just, you know, I, I might be a liar. Yes, Ellie, that's pretty obvious with your flattery. What about, what's the flattery? Ellie, roll the lie. Okay. Oh, hey, look, you rolled a two. Wow. Oh, hey, look, no matter what you rolled, it ends up turning into a two because she doesn't believe your bullshit. Okay, yeah, fine, I was lying. Now (laughs) I feel bad. I just, sorry. (laughs) I take it. Well, I mean, you, you... I I I I do genuinely think that you are funny, but I do agree that sometimes, you know, when people are feeling really sensitive, like maybe possibly potentially I am a little bit maybe feeling at this moment. Um, you know, I I'm, you know, Ray has just been smiling this whole time, tickled by all of your waffling. And she considers very deliberately what she's gonna say. And then she just responds, trying very hard not to laugh as she does. You know, Ellie, I don't think I understand. Could you please elaborate? Panic flashes across Ellie's face. Well, what what I mean um, is just that you know, for people who do sometimes. And Ray um, just turns over and decides, all right, it's time to start getting to work. <laughs> and she says, hey, Ellie, do you remember the dance that Willie Wiles ran? Do I? Uh, yes, Willie Wiles, who I'm just going to make a note here. Also known as Free Willie. <laughs> Willie Wiles, also known as Free Willie, was a pretty reckless purveyor of, uh, let's call them wet guns, weapons, an illicit purveyor of weapons in the beyond who Ray had tried to establish connections with for the upcoming coup. And one of the things Willie Wiles ran, the thing that you two talked about endlessly, was the fact that Willie Wiles had this customizable floor. They had one that they did for the dance floor. <laughs> they had some ice ones that they did for an ice skating rink. They had a basketball, a basketball, uh, um, a basket cube. That's what basketball is. I love it. They had basket cube floors. Yeah, so you you remember that floor, and that's gotta be what Ray is talking about. This is like the floor, and Ellie tries to like say it quieter and lean in, but then she like is leaning closer, and she's like, Ugh! and then leans back out and like puts her hands on her hips awkwardly because she's tough. <laughs> Just let me have this. <laughs> Fine. As of right, the customizable floor. You slipped all night on that ice cube. Well, that's because we were dancing on the regular floor, but then we got a little carried away and- That was the best you had danced that whole night. Wow, Ray. <laughs> Anyways, the prodigious has something remarkably similar, and she points to the floor, and you can see that on the floor there are various cracks and pieces. 
Prodigious. Like with anything else in Key or on the Prodigious, something has to have a use, and they will beat out every use of it they can find. In the case of this floor, it's segmented into multiple pieces that can separate, revealing alternative uses. So they have a dance floor, they have this gym floor, ice skating. I believe they were going to have a pool, or enough for the fact that we set sail so abruptly. So this was one of the first places that popped to mind, and I started adjusting with the floor a bit, and I found something quite peculiar. Should I just keep going? Yeah, Ellie nods for her to continue, like she's enraptured. So Ray turns over to the little panel that has been stabbed multiple times by a screwdriver, but in a very strategic way, so that it is uh, still functioning. And she goes over and she presses the button on it. And you see the floor below start to move and separate into different pieces. Sir Kentrum immediately jumps out of the way. Jebediah does not seem phased at all. And Vera is actually not there. I don't like that. I don't like that. That concerns me. But because she's not here, she's not here to yell at Ray as she starts basically adjusting the floor into different configurations. It's almost like a Rubik's Cube. You know, the thing that I have to reference at least once to say, wow, this character is super smart. And so it takes different shapes. It takes the shape of an ice skating rink, takes the shape of basket cube. At one point, the floor becomes lava. And finally, Ray is just saying, so there are dozens of configurations listed in this blueprints and map that Sarah gave me. But the odd thing is when we looked at it, there was an extra configuration that was not included. And she presses the button one more time and you see it returns to the regular gym floor. But suddenly the pieces start blocking each other. Before Ray can even point out it to you, you notice that the grooves in between where the floor stops form the shape of a knife with a serrated edge. Well, that's problematic. It's definitely not well functioning, but did you notice the- The knife? And Ray just looks at you, very proud of your investigations and, and remembering how much better you were always at than her when it came to finding the relevant details, even if you couldn't quite piece it together the same way. And for a second, Ray's eyes flit to the three candles on your hat. Ellie, I have a question. Yeah? And her eyes suddenly dart away. So yes, this jagged dream organization. Uh, Sarah had come to me last night ranting and raving about how this new professor, Cubo, I think his name was, was making accusations about one of their leaders being a strong force behind our coup. What exactly is this jagged dream, Ellie? I don't understand it all, but I know that it's a cult. It has three parts. Vera is in charge of one of them. That's Um, a shame. She seems so practical. Oh, she is. She came at me with a giant fist and it was full of nails. But that was also kind of Misha's fault. Is Misha also a member of this jagged dream? No, no. Misha, um, Misha is one of the companions that I've been traveling with, along with Shock. You probably saw him at Nano Fight Club, along with Arius Folon, I think? The Blue Fairy. She's the leader of another faction. Um, Oh, much too showy. I did not like how she bullied that poor boy with that staff. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, 
uh, Simon. Oh, yes, I hear he's a very nice young man. We snuck on because we were going to stop the Jag Dream, hopefully. There's a third part. The leader is Ezra, and I don't know much about them, but they want to cause war. They want to... Be a god. Yes, no, that sounds like Ezra's MO. Do you know? So I was racking my brain after Sarah mentioned that to me. I, I could never remember Ezra. Ezra. I cataloged every person we worked with, every single one, and there was not a single person who looked or acted like this Ezra, nor someone who was related to, and she points to the indentation, to that. But I do remember my niece having this consultant. They called themselves a god, a gifter of ideas and truth and power. They were helpful, yes, but opinionated and troublesome. Anastasia got along with them fine. Anastasia said this figure was very affable, coarse, but excited. And they promised Anastasia the ability to do great, great things, but... Did you ever meet them? No. When it was clear Anastasia wouldn't listen to me, I chose to stay as far away from that part of the war as possible. Well, they're here. Yes, I guess I wasn't able to stay away after all. Welcome to episode 48 of Quest Friends, Crime and Courtship, part 13. I am Kyle, your GM, and our intro and outro song are Friends and Hitoshio, both by Miracle of Sound. I've got just one announcement for you today, but before we get to that, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who participated in our Shock and Misha Patreon sticker bonus. As of recording, it's just a few days before I actually mail out those stickers, and it's just been a few days since we actually hit our first Patreon subscriber goal. So thanks to folks supporting us, not only do we have more support, but now everybody who subscribed to us is either going to get a digital or at higher tiers, a physical bundle of postcards based on locations from our podcast, or at least the ones that aren't owned by Monty Cook Games. So I just want to take a second to thank everyone who was involved in that. Having that support via Patreon has just been so, so helpful. With that out of the way, there's only one announcement for you today, and I'm actually not going to be the one to present it myself. Instead, I reached out to the folks at Palimpsest Podcast, the newest Numenera actual play podcast, to see if they had a promo or something I could share with you. Let's give it a listen. One billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Join us as we explore this Ninth World in Palimpsest, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. Nehemiah, a protective glaive who speaks with a silver tongue. Smallrin, a serene jack who wields power with precision. 
and Jory, a curious delve who exists partially out of phase, have all independently made their way to a small village past the edge of society and built around a massive and mysterious ruin. We hope you listen along as we bring you theatrically presented episodes of their adventures in Palimpsest, a ghost-like media production available at palimpsestcast.com or on your favorite podcatcher. If that sounds interesting to you, you can check out Palimpsest Podcast at palimpsestcast.com. That's P-A-L-I-M-P-S-E-S-T-C-A-S-T dot com. And for those of you who did not have a paper and pen ready when I started spelling, you can check out a link to their show in the show notes. That's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode we've got for you. And I will talk to you again on our next episode on Monday, November 18th. Alright, so Hop. Yeah. You're the last person left. Sure am. You no longer have to deal with Vespari. He's been babysat someplace else. So you're free to go and do whatever you want. What do you want to do? Hopper, carrying the two recorder headbands that he borrowed from Shock, will go down to Sarah's little engineer room to see if she's there. Yeah, and as you, you poke your head in, you suddenly hear, Hey, bud! And I need you to roll speed defense. Fun fact, I almost bought a die yesterday, but then I dropped it by accident. It rolled under the table and I had to walk around and crawl under to get it. And it was a one. So I put it back and didn't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) This is a four. Okay, cool. Um, I need you to take five might points. So much my damage. As Sarah like flicks her wrist and you see what looks like a little like dot start going towards you. And suddenly you hear Sarah go. Ah, shit, 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 shit. And she starts reaching around for something. And she finally finds this little device and she starts tapping it furiously. And as she does, you see the little dot expand into a large metal rod that's been fashioned into a triangle. But too late, and it bonks you right in the head. Is it a triangle? Is it a sharp part that bonks me in the head, or does it just... just bonk? It's like bent over, so there's no sharp okay. edges. I thought I was gonna get impaled for a second. <laughs> so Hopper knocked to the ground. Is like, ow! What? What is that? Ah, shit! Sorry. Um, forgot about this part. It's kind of important. The part that controls it? Uh, no, it doesn't control it. It makes it uh makes it bigger or smaller. See? And she presses the button and it goes, the, the triangle shrinks and then it grows again and she presses the button. It shrinks into like maybe a coin size. Okay. I needed to make this to uh, store all the left triangles. Here, have one if you want. And she throws a copy of the device to you. We're gonna call it the big small. Small big. The size bigger. I don't know what to call it. But it's gonna be something that you can attach to any item and you can shrink it down to pocket size. This is amazing and I want it. Um, I want to specify, I for, I forgot, but I wanted to trade in my book with Zoe. I had my book on, I think it was another one of her YA novels, but I want a book on the Great Triangle Exodus of the Seventh <laughs> World because it is bullshit that he doesn't know about that. So when Sarah references left triangles, Hopper will reach and pull the book out of his bag. Did you know that the Great Angle Exodus of the Seventh World is actually very fascinating? I don't know why I didn't know about it before. Probably because the education here isn't very good. <laughs> but anyway. Oh yeah, 
yeah, I know all I know all about left triangles. You know, I made a whole bunch. And she presses a button, and suddenly you see this barrel in the corner of the room start to shake and rattle. And then it explodes as thousands of these rods start spilling out onto the floor. And you can see that Sarah has tried to make a left triangle every which way. Uh, she's tried to just make a right triangle and then face it left. She's tried to create a left triangle and get it elected under uh, leftist policies. And she finally settled on a uh, triangle that was a right triangle. And then she just bent it over so that it bent over and started facing left. And that was the rod that she had given you. <laughs> do I have the rod or do I have the, the, the sizey thing? Uh, well, she threw the sizey thing to you, but she also threw a rod at your face. Oh, okay. So the rod is on the ground, but then she said, oh yeah, I also made this thing. Feel free to have it. Yes, okay. She wanted to show you the left triangle that she had figured out because she cracked the case. God, I'm so proud of her. Uh, anyway, I was wondering if you were busy this afternoon. Nope, just making more triangles. Urgh! And you see that she's grabbed another rod and she's just bending it over again as she's talking to you. Okay, great. Well, like, you don't have to help me with anything, but I, I was hoping you might be able to help me with something I'd like to do this afternoon. Um, where, I have a couple questions, where on this ship would the connection to the data sphere be the strongest? Uh, well, that would be Chitters and Chitters scurries over. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's perfect. It would ex it would be the relay up top. It's it's kind of what funnels in all the data sphere powers. You know that big umbrella on top of the prodigious. Yeah. Okay. The relay. Yeah, it would be that. And as you say, yeah, Chitter's head abruptly turns to you, and he just pounces ah! and is immediately on top of you and cuddling. <laughs> Covered back down to the ground again. <laughs> we'll just patiently take it and be like, "Hi, Chitter's. Hi. How are you?" <laughs> And then he'll try to sit up as best he can while not interfering with Chitter's movements. Chitter's is not moving. Chitter's is content. Okay, good. Then Hopper's content. So then Hopper will brandish the two recorder headbands he has and say, So look, um, these are two video recorder headbands that are connected to each other. So one of them will see what the other one is seeing. Do you think it would be possible to rig one of these up near the relay so that we can watch whoever comes up to the relay over the next couple of days? I just want to know. And then I thought, do you have a projector? Because I have this one cord and he disconnects the cord from the walkie talkie to his pin uh, that connects any input to any output. So I thought, you know, if you had like a projector, we could hook up the second recorder headband that's down here to the projector and then watch a stakeout from the safety and comfort of an entirely different location. <laughs> I got a plan. You have a plan. I have a plan. It feels so good. We're gonna Netflix and chill with Sarah. We're gonna Netflix and chill. And then just to, just to like, as Sarah's thinking about it, he'll add, you don't have to watch the whole thing with me. I just figured if you had a projector, it would probably- Oh no, please, please. I could, and she points to Chitters. We could use a break. Great. I was gonna get like snacks, but the cafeteria, because it's- University of Key doesn't allow food outside the designated eating area, so all I have is this jar of olives. Excuse me? I just, I, I, I got, I, um, the Vespari, he was at the Nano Fight Club. He's, he's going through a tough time. Yeah, no, 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 no
What do you have? Oh, he gave me a jar of olives. That was my point. That's why I brought him up. He just gave me this jar of olives. It's the only snack I have is, is my point. You don't have the jar of olives. <laughs> because as you say that, they are immediately out of your hand. And Sarah has already opened it up and just stuck her hand into the bottle. Oh, so you like olives then. Whatever. And you uh, had already had three heart points with Sarah for how helpful you were with her. But you are now up to four. Yes. Whatever. It's not like I bought a jar of olives. It's not like I bought one with my last monies. I knew what Sarah's gift was, but Hopper presented this by accident. He didn't know. Whatever. Kylie, you did this. (laughs) So you're making your way up to the relay. On your way there, Sarah does take a pit stop by uh, Professor Myra Frank Manning, who is that professor you had met the other uh, yesterday, I believe. Mm -hmm. She stops there and she, she goes in. It's a bit of a peculiar situation when you enter. The room looks like it's on fire. There's this weird ghost lady sun orb there. And Sarah keeps muttering about a dimensionator and like grabs this hunk of like artifact and just slams it on the ground. And as she leaves, points to it and says, stay as she protectively grabs the uh, projector and scoots out of the room with it. Hopper spends that whole time just eyeing the corner. He'll awkwardly say hello to the professor and to the sun orb lady, (laughs) and then just follow Sarah's lead. You make your way into the main courtyard of the prodigious. So it's got those fake plants. It's got those big statue orbs of the Council of Spheres. And it's got this big like plank walkway that slowly goes up over this big window. This was where you had dramatically just kind of gotten to the top of this walkway and angstily sat there when you uh, were reading the Lorraine letter on the first night. That was in the observatory, right? Yeah. So this is the observatory right off the courtyard that you're going up this uh, walkway to. Okay. Gotcha. And actually for a brief second, you're like, oh, wait, I remember seeing a sun there. I wonder if... And you piece it together just so we don't have to get hop up to speed on who the fuck Sonny is. As they're passing the observatory then. Oh, just to himself. (laughs) And then they're going to keep going. And you make your way to the end of the observatory and you notice that there are a handful of uh, cameras, security cameras. But you notice a whole bunch of them converge on this ladder that leads up to a simple hatch on the ceiling. Oh, I forgot there was surveillance. I don't worry about it. They're never on. See? And she just taps one of the cameras, which is just pointed down and not at anything in particular. You sure? Who who monitors the surveillance? Well, hopefully not me. Because you haven't been doing it. You don't you don't know if that's supposed to be you. (laughs) Well, I mean, all surveillance does is tell the Zev where to find somebody. And she motions towards the uh, recorder headband. Do they know then where to go to get somebody through their little earpieces? They were wearing them at trivia. Uh, yeah, kind of. You know, he claims that that thing is supposed to make the Zev and anything that wears it supra ultra intelligent, but that's just a bunch of bullshit. What do you say then? Well, because they were smart enough as is. Just because we can understand what they were saying doesn't mean they couldn't talk. All that earpiece does is teaches them how to speak our language. And I'm not talking about words. I'm talking about how to think. I'm talking about how to be complacent. I'm talking about how to follow orders. You know, they they are a lot different now than when I went to Key. You know, they were there. They were around. They did general security. But they are really into general security now. Well, you know, the technology uh, 
anyways, here we are. And she uh, just takes a hammer and she knocks off the lock on the padlock for the gate and pushes it up. All right. Perfect. The wind wraps itself around your legs and actually pushes you a few feet to the left as you make your way to the top of the prodigious. Around you is a sea of clouds so soft and inviting that you feel like you could lay on them forever. A startling thought when your brain realizes what would actually happen if you tried. Uh, You eventually shake that idea from your head and you turn back to watch Sarah making her way to the center of the platform where a thin tower rises to meet a large crimson umbrella that shadows the space beneath it. In this cool shadow, you see a handful of pocket-sized creatures with thin bird legs, blocky whale bodies, and a single feather dangling in front of each of their faces. These quails happily hop and skip around the tower, occasionally flailing their flipper wings in attempted flight. Are they being carried by the wind at all? It almost blew us off, so I imagine they try and the wind just blows them into the relay and then they try again and it just blows them right back. It, it does, and you can see they have actually a bunch of nests on the relay itself. Good, good for the quails. <laughs> Alright, so Hop's looking around and then he just asks, so who who gave the Zev the earpieces though? Who do they report to? And she just looks back to you and says, didn't you watch the musical? What mu- No, Jacques and Misha went to the musical, I think. I didn't. Sarah points to a break in the clouds, and you see this hill. It looks almost like Stonehenge if the rocks that were the tall towers were thicker and wider and were almost drilled into as if they were making various caverns that went deep beneath this hill. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's Zev Garden. That's, uh, that's where this, this guy, Cal, Calaval, Cal? Calaval, yeah, he was a trivia question. Yeah, no, that, that guy, that was where he, uh, found and domesticated, and you can't see my air quotes, but I'm air quoting so hard right now, the Zeb, and turned them from these ferocious, feral animals into, you know, the cute, cuddly things we know them uh, as today. Anyways, I don't know who they listen to now, but and she looks at the uh, the gardens, which you can't see them very well from a distance, but they look heartbreakingly empty. Hopper will look that way for perhaps a few moments too long, losing himself in the sad sight, and then he'll shake himself out of it and go, uh, <clears throat> relay. So I, I just want to know who, who normally comes up here? Is it anyone's duty to come up here? Like, is there anyone who it wouldn't be weird for to come up here? Sarah just points to herself and goes, and like clicks her tongue. Okay, yeah, that figures. You're the engineer. How long have you been working on this ship? Um, the ship. How long have we been on it? I mean, but was there any prep work that you did for the ship? Did you set up the relay, for instance? Oh, no, the, the damn thing didn't work until a week ago. This thing wasn't supposed to fly. And then suddenly the whole ship just starts working out of the blue. And then we're going to start flying in the air without any prep. Need I remind you about the bomb that is the engine? I actually meant to come up here because, you know, the data sphere controls everything in the prodigious. So maybe you can explain to me why the engine's a piece of garbage. That would be good to know. So, could the relay be used to power anything besides the ship? Well, yeah, if it's hooked up to it. And you can see that she's just dac taped the recorder headband to the side of this tower. Perfectly fine. So, then Hopper will ask, Did you know anyone on the ship before you started working here? Like, the captain or any of the passengers? Well, I mean, I knew, uh, knew the professors, but that's pretty much it. 
Did you really pin Professor Goldstone uh, like on a seat? Yes, yes, I did do that. <laughs> Deserved it. Thank you. He he did deserve it. <laughs> By the way, uh, I was wondering what was that uh what was that whole vigilante thing you had going on there? That sounds cool. But in college, putting pins on people's seats? Well, not like that. Uh, what is it? Hopper Scotch book thief. Oh. Sounds like uh sounds like one of those books that Zoe would have given me. And she just says in like this, "Wow, what a cool book mash!" And like just Hopper Scotch rises again back to reclaim his vengeance against the school that had betrayed him so horribly. Is she saying these words? She is. Just She's into like the idea of like she's writing the back of a book now. Okay. She's really gotten into the books that Zoe has given her. <laughs> uh, Hopper will give a little laugh and be like, it's not so much, it's not so much that. I think there's some bad people on this ship and I think they want to do something bad because they're bad people that could endanger a lot of people. So I'm, um, I don't want that to happen. So I'm gonna try. She's just gonna keep muttering. After years off of the force, he hasn't returned again. Instead, he's gone as a lone wolf with allies deep within the enemy camp themselves. You don't have to, you don't have to, I'm not, I'm not a book character, I'm just Simon. Um, in an effort to get Sarah to stop doing this thing that is making Hopper just a little bit uncomfortable. Like, so how, how, how do you know Zoe? <laughs> oh yeah, she's, uh, she's in my mom's class. Yeah, very sweet girl. She is. Don't know where she got it from. What do you mean? So she says you had an arch nemesis? That's cool. That's nifty. Hopper, like, freezes. What did, what did Zoe say about that? Uh, she didn't actually say much. She couldn't explain much. But she showed me this really cool uh, manuscript written by some historical author. I think their name was Jesse Drew. Wait, is this a new thing that Jesse has written that I don't know about? You're going to tell me Jesse hasn't written fan fiction? That's what I was trying to double check. That's <laughs> like, I'm confused. It's absolutely Jesse fan fiction, but Sarah's never met Jesse, so she just thinks this is some author working on a book about your life. So, so Hopper coming to this conclusion in like mental bursts, uh, Jesse, Jesse, Jesse is one of our companions. They're not a historian. What, what? What did the work that they wrote say? Honestly, I, I I don't know. I didn't make it that far. It only had like a, a couple of sentences written. It was talking about how this, this young boy called Simon had uh, thought he had met this cool new friend, but instead he had met, he, he was going to meet the woman who would make him hopper scotch and would become his worst and most fearsome rival. All sounded very interesting. I'm very excited to read the rest. How do they know that? How do they know that? Hopper's like a little afraid right now. <laughs> he like doesn't understand how Jesse knows this and is embarrassed that now Sarah knows this. Um, one of the credits on the book will become two research partners and you just see Alvin Simon as <laughs> no! one of the top research. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> Dad! No! <laughs> they don't even know he goes by Hopper. <laughs> they just know Simon. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every time I think I'm finally getting over something, a new horrifying fact presents itself. Okay. Back to the scene. In the moment, Hopper's just kind of sputtering, trying to think of an explanation. Like, Je Jesse, uh, that's, um, it's not, not true, but it's not, um, True. Exactly. 
it's uh it 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 doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter okay i won't press more i won't press more and she starts going back to leave and go to the room where you're gonna set up the projector and sarah pauses for a second and decides to reveal that she knows a little bit more than she let on and she just says you know you uh you don't gotta bother with someone who doesn't want to bother with you So you are back in uh, Sarah's room. She has set up a projector, is fist deep in the jar of olives, and you're watching the screen of the uh, what you had set up. Hopper just kind of sits awkwardly for a little bit. I imagine they haven't really spoken that much since getting back. Has she been carrying on a normal conversation? Uh, I mean, she would she would happily move to a different topic. She wouldn't continue talking about the book because she she could tell that that's probably a sore spot. Mm -hmm. But she would have continued uh, asking probably what you had figured out about the left triangles, cursing Cubo every time you mention something, um, because she considers the left triangle Exodus Cubo's fault. Okay, because he was the one who had talked about it. Not a fan of Cubo is Sarah. Okay. In that case, you'll gesture towards the projector they're now watching in the safety and comfort of a location entirely different from the location they're staking out. They're in uh, Sarah's engine room, right? Yes. So I won't consider that safety and comfort, okay, but... you have a point, <laughs> but in relation to staking out a location in the location, it's fun because we're not there. My plan is really good. It's a good plan. I'm just not going to say that Sarah's room is potentially safer than any place else. Up will gesture towards the projector and be like, thanks again for helping me set all this up. Yeah, no problem. It's nice to just hang out for a bit and not like end up in a deep, dark well or... And she thinks to seeing Ellie earlier and her face just snarls. <laughs> you okay? No. Wait, deep, dark well? When were you in a well? <sighs> Is that her response? I think so. Okay. <clears throat> what was that? <laughs> hey, wait. I think I think we found someone. I think I see somebody. What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, I want to know. What's happening is you see a figure come out. He is relatively tall with dark hair, and he's holding a present that he slowly opens up. And he looks to his left and to his right, and Inspector Cecilos discreetly removes his mustache disguise before returning to the item that was in the gift box. It's a stuffed quail, and he turns it over and opens up its bottom, and he takes a piece of parchment, and he starts sticking it inside of the stuffed quail. Okay, I just I just keep watching this unfold <laughs> with rapt attention. Rapt. Um, like the gift. <laughs> I'm gonna say he does that, and then he walks away to somewhere off of uh, the camera's point of view. Still holding the still quail. holding the quail, and he hasn't left yet. He's still up there. Okay. Well, he's not doing anything with the relay, but Cecilos has been really suspicious lately. Did you see him whisper to uh, Captain Jebediah at Trivia? They exchanged a gift or something. I don't know if it's this. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna run into him so that I want to go back up to like where the ladder gets down. So like, oh my God, you're here. What? You're going to go, you're going to go meet up with them. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want Sarah to come with or do you want her to man the, uh, man the screen? It's up to her. So as he gets up, Pop will say, I'm going to go check it out. You can come too if you want, or you can stay here. Yeah, let's, let's go get him. Chitters, man the screen. And Chitters will, it will just perch on top of the projector. I love it. I love him. So you make your way back up to uh, catch Cecilos. 
Roll me perception quick. I'm going to use a different die. Not that that will help me. Seven. So you're just sitting there. You're looking at the space, just waiting for Cecilos. As Sarah's just sitting there, just sitting there waiting as well. She's outfitted her chair with this large gloved hand. It's her fighting arm. And she just kind of mumbles to herself, huh, that's weird. Camera's back on. And she's looking to that security camera that was turned off when you first went up there. Oh, no. But before you can do anything about that, you hear some steps as Cecilos, who seems very shaken and upset and is still holding the quail, starts making his way down. He put the parchment paper into the quail, right? Yes, but he still has the uh, he still has a quail. Okay. And he seems he seems very upset to himself. He's mumbling about how they don't they don't know absolutely anything. They'll they'll need more time to be trained. Basically mumbling about how they don't know what they're doing and he needs to think of something fast or they're not going to come. Completed in time. Okay. Uh, I just want to flag him. Like, oh, Inspector Cecilos. Oh, accountant, uh, detective. It is such a pleasure to, and he whips on the mustache, but accidentally puts it on upside down. And he just leans on the railing and hides the quail behind his back. It's such, uh, it's such a pleasure to uh, see you to get, uh, again, as as well as you, uh, Miss Engineer Inspector. I was just wondering. It's funny seeing you. I was wondering, have you made any progress with the uh, investigation? Oh uh, yes. You know, it's a. And he like just starts sniffing and the mustache falls down or part of it falls down I've been following some very important leads and I uh, think I should be able to get something eventually yes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. well I'm not doing anything if you have a lead maybe we could investigate it together no 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 I think uh m- maybe we should reconverge at dinner you uh you look very very Hopper's gonna let him finish well, um, well, you know, <laughs> what kind of expression does Hop have? How is Hop trying to make Cecilos feel? Included. Hop is trying to force himself on Cecilos to, like, pump him for info, but he's trying to do it in a friendly, we're buddies kind of a way. And who do you want to give your GM intrusion point to? I'm going to give it to Ellie. Thank you. Because she needs it. I do. <laughs> so you're doing great. You're doing a great job. Sarah didn't get the memo. She thinks you're here to rough up a bad guy. So he looks to you and then he sees Sarah and specifically the big glove hand she has on the back of her chair, which just has like a crowbar and is doing the thing where you slap the crowbar into your own hand threateningly. And he's just like, ah, well, mm, ah. And suddenly Cecilos pounces over the end of the railing. And I need you to roll initiative. All right, Cecilos is going to go first, and this is how it functions. So this is going to be a chase with your five degrees of separation. You're going to start at separation of three, and each turn, Cecilos can make two actions to evade you, and you as Hop and Sarah can make two actions to catch up to him. Okay. So Cecilos actually for his first turn is only going to take one of his actions, and that action is jumping off the fucking railing and just using the plants to cushion his fall as he falls down. He's not particularly graceful with it, but he doesn't take any damage. And it's definitely a lot faster than if you walked by foot. So he is now going to be four degrees away from you. Cool. Okay. 
if he jumped over the railing into the courtyard. Yep, he's just bouncing off the fake trees. Hopper is also running that way and is definitely preparing to jump over the railing because, again, it's faster. But I wanted to, while I'm running, do an analytical combat sort of thing to figure out where it's most likely for Cecilos to go. And then I wanted to use my parkour skill to actually parkour the way down the railing, down the trees, maybe do a side run on the wall if I feel like it to end up where he's going before he gets there. Okay, you're going to run your analytical combat. Hop's doing the thought meme thing. Math meme. The math meme as just images are appearing in his view of the trajectory and how things are going. And you can see that where Cecilos is running is he is heading straight forward the kitchen. Okay. So that will be one of your uh, actions. And your other one will be, we'll say the parkour is one just because you're using it to speed up. Yeah, that was my that was my plan. Okay, so yeah, give me a roll and you will be aided by this analytical combat. Okay, I am also going to put two levels of speed effort. Seven. And you are trained in it. Mm hmm. Wait, I'm specialized in parkour. Oh, fuck, man. So I'm going to say that bonus you got didn't apply to making it easier. What it did is it applied to decreasing the effort by even more. Not not decreasing the effort, decreasing the distance. Woo! Okay, yeah, sorry. I totally forgot that I was specialized. You don't catch up to them, but describe how you get your parkour... How you parkour down a fucking conservatory. I imagine that Cecilos just like leaped off of the railing like head first and then just bounced clumsily down on these plants and is now like trying to get himself up and is running. Hop sees the route that Cecilos took and does not take that one because it's bad. So when Hop parkours off, he like does like a handstand on the railing and then flips off onto one tree and then kind of like just slides down all the fake leaves. I imagine they're like not really pretty plants but they're trying to be. They're like really thick and like they're very waxy and therefore solid enough that he knows he can get a little bit of momentum if he stays on it for just long enough, like a Mario Party mini game where everything disappears beneath your feet. So he hops down from all those leaves and then um, gets to a corner of the wall and he jumps off to propel himself on the wall. So he all runs for maybe a couple of seconds, but that gives him the momentum to do like a barrel roll on the ground. And then when he comes out, out of the barrel roll, he is like several feet ahead of where he would be if he was just running and not using his environment to further his speed. Amazing. Meanwhile, Sarah has used her jetpack to bounce upward and then the arm on her, uh, the big glove arm on the back of her chair. As she's fall, she uses it to grab onto one of the branches, which absolutely breaks, but it does cushion her fall. Then Cicelo sees you and he starts booking it towards the kitchen. And so Cicelos is going to make two actions. And by that, I mean Cecilos is not going to make any actions at all. Instead, what happens is as you fall, you see a tuba in front of you just floating. God fucking damn it. And walking back and forth in front of your way. As you fall, you also see Professor Goldstone. No! Who is definitely sitting there trying to, like, illegally steal some of the plants to sell. Illegally steal, like, stealing is legal. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he turns over to you and sees you doing a chase. You just hear, Yapiscot! Up to no good again! Gods! Gods! No! And he's gonna start running at you while calling for guards. Um, okay. Hopper isn't very afraid of Goldstone. He's going to focus on the tuba first. For the tuba, I want to bypass it by 
doing like a Jedi twirl. So if I'm if Hop's coming at the tuba, he doesn't want to ruin his momentum. He doesn't want to run into the tuba. And I don't think there's enough room to slide like under the tuba. So he's going to like about face and try to turn to his right so that he only loses a little bit of momentum, but that it's quickly made up for with like the velocity of the spin. Okay, you brush past Megan, who is invisibly marching her tuba, probably doesn't even know that she is invisible. Just totally unaware. And Goldstone's just chasing after me, right? Yelling for the guards. Yeah. Actually, for this one, I'm going to say that you suddenly hear, Simon, catch! And uh, do you want to roll or automatically catch? This will determine if it's an action for you. I want to automatically catch. So you turn around and you see a series of nails just fall into your hands. Jesus Christ. And Sarah says, ah, see, pins is old weakness. Hopper gives kind of a laugh at that. These are a little bit more dangerous than pins because they're nails, but he's going to catch this bundle of loose nails that I guess she just threw at him and then deposit them quickly behind him so that so he can buy some more time. <coughs> so Goldstone has tetanus now. <laughs> he's wearing shoes. Is he? Is he wearing shoes? In the public place, so he should be wearing shoes. And if he's not wearing shoes, this is his own damn fault. <laughs> Anyways, so you've, uh, you, you, you are still two degrees of separation and you make your way into the cafeteria. And as Cecilos runs, he instinctively smashes the smashed tomatoes, which in addition to just disappointing Shock, who loves those things are going to spill out like an oil spill behind him and make the floor slippery for you. Cecilos will also then take off his mustache and put on a ginger mustache. No. And try to hide in the crowd. Oh my god, Cecilos. To get past the the tapetos, can I try to surf on my shield through them? Yes. Yes, you can. I would like to throw my shield down like a fucking saucer <laughs> sled and stand on it and slide through. Yeah, give me give me a roll for this, because I think this is something that if you do it successfully, like regardless, it'll succeed. But I think this is something that you could argue you go faster if you do it successfully. Yes. Okay, I'm going to put two more levels of speed effort into this. I want to look cool. Twelve. Describe how you definitely surf on these tapetos and catch Cecilus. So Hopper, seeing the pile of tapetos in front of him, he put the uh, shrinkinator thingamajig on his shield earlier and put it in his pocket. So now he whips it back out, presses it, tosses it out right after he presses it so it grows big in midair. And then when it lands, he jumps deftly on top of it, kind of leaning back a little bit to get the initial force going. And then once he's he's riding good on those tapetos, he's gotten a rhythm going and he's accelerated his speed. So he just kind of turns it a little bit. And before Cecilus can disappear into the crowd, he uses his left hand to reach out and grab him, akin to Harry Potter reaching off of his broomstick and grabbing the snitch. And then because he's doing so well on his shield, he just kind of coasts it to a stop as soon as the tapetos run out and don't give him that friction anymore, dragging Cecilos behind him a little bit by the back of the jacket so he's not strangling him. Okay, so here's what happens. Hop grabs Cecilos. Cecilos recoils and lets go of his hands. The quail falls down on the ground as you all slide past it. And then the alarm goes off. 
the cameras in this room are all turned towards you. And you hear, uh, and two Zev shoot past you and, like, basically grab Cecilos out of your hands. Oh, no! And slam him against the wall. Oh, no, no, it's okay. He's not, uh, there's been a misunderstanding. I just need to ask him a, a question. And the Zev, like, kind of gestures to you and, like, gestures to, uh, Cecilos and does a finger wag. I don't know any, I don't know about any of that evidence. No, no, I wasn't up to anything shenanigan. I would just, I just need to send a message. It was just a very important message to send. Please, please don't take me away anywhere. And the Zev pay him no mind. And Sarah comes in and is like, hey, what's, what's going on? Uh, uh, the, the Zev think, uh, the situation is worse than it is, I think. Really, really thank you for performing your civic duty, but I think that we can take it from here. What is he accused of? Uh, this is a bad guy, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. You can't just take him away because you think he's maybe a bad guy. Bad guy? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not a bad guy. I'm just, uh... As he says that, the Zev bolts out of the room, dragging Cecilos with them. No! No! God damn it! Hopper puts his shield back in his pocket, and he's gonna continue following them. We don't have to play that out right now, but he's he's not letting that happen. And Sarah goes, Simon, Simon. Sarah, Sarah, did where did you see all that? Yeah, no, I saw. It's listen, it's bullshit. But Sarah, there's... I I I I think that I made a mistake. God, this is Rilettia all over again. Listen, I I I know where they're taking. Ellie, I had a difficult time getting my door open this morning. There were a large amount of items there and multiple letters that were all screaming happy birthday as loud as they could at me. It was quite a mess. There was a knife that had cut off a plant that Jen just immediately regrew. I believe it might have been the stuffed quail that did it. And all in all, it was just a very misguided and honestly foolhardy kind of thing to do. You wouldn't happen to know where these came from, did you? No! Don't worry about it, Ray! Well, please let me know if you ever find out who uh, did it, because I would like to thank them. And you get two more heart points with Ray. That's so cute! <laughs>